thrive, flourish, unleash your buried treasure. This is the Exponentially Empowered Podcast with Joel Bine. Through conscious action and authentic self-connection, empower yourself to write your own script. Hey everyone, it's Joel, episode 57, Exponentially Empowered Podcast. Today is a show with Matt Lovett, who is a good friend of mine. I connected with him about two years ago in New Orleans. I first mentioned Matt briefly on the show actually last summer when I was describing my first, it's called Combining the Head and Heart with Clarity and Compassion. I believe. And towards the end of that two hour show, I mentioned my experience with psilocybin and, and I mentioned Matt. Anyhow, Matt's a results driven human, excellent masculine energy. He's a performance coach. He's really all about combining this dreaming with the doing. What are you actually going to do to move your life forward? So I really love that. And he's also done a lot of self-work in integrating past experiences, childhood trauma, and he's done a whole bunch of psychedelics. So we're going to dive into that today on the show and we'll highlight in particular Iboga and Ayahuasca and some good stories we have in the show. So I hope you enjoy it and appreciate you listening as always would be most grateful for any support of the show you could offer to, to send the message that this is giving you value. So you can go to ko-fi.com slash empowered. It's ko-fi.com slash empowered. And you can make a donation one time or monthly and send the message, send the signal to me that you are getting value with this show and it would really meet my need for appreciation, for support, for mutuality, for trust, for connection. Thank you so much for you, for listening and putting your ears to these words. And without further ado, here's Matt. Stoked to be joined by Matt Lovett, my friend, who's based in New Orleans. And he is a driven man, driven for personal growth. He is a personal trainer holistic health guru. Uh, he's also starting a performance coaching business and he's been working with Tony Robbins' son, Jarek Robbins. And yeah, just super, super uh, all about making the most of life and living regret-free and not waiting around. So he, he, he's, he's a good dude. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me, man. I'll, I'll take that intro. I don't know. I said the word guru. I'm like, uh, I don't really like that word, but you're definitely really well, knowledgeable. Tony Robbins has it. Oh, Tony Robbins, uh, Netflix thing. Well, um, he's got something that's called I'm not your guru. And yeah. one thing that I think that all really great coaches know is that the solution to your problems or the place that you need to go next or whatever has to be revealed, it always comes from within you. So the guru is not going to have the answer. The coach is going to be the guy that stands next to you and asks you the right questions 
holds you accountable, keeps you organized, keeps you inspired by what inspires you personally. So I'm not your guru. I'm just the there guy standing next to you that is going to help you make sure things continue to move in the yeah. direction that I, you decide you want to go. I don't know why that popped out of my mouth because I definitely don't like that word because I'm all about what you just said. Like coaching is about drawing it out of somebody and, and nurturing intrinsic motivation, right? I'm all about that. So, but like you are very authoritative and knowledgeable about holistic health and you incorporate that into your training and all about, about nutrition and supplements and lifestyle and, and getting to those basics, getting to those basics and, and putting, maximizing your physical energy so that you can go make the most of life and, and not get sucked into just mundane life, but really grabbing life by the horns. So yeah, let, let's dive into your story. And I'm curious, I mean, you've, you've, you're in your mid thirties now. You've 37. been reading what? 37. We'll call that mid thirties. <laughs> uh, you've been, you know, diving into personal d- development and, and all these books and you've done psychedelics for years, but we we're going to get into that. Um, I'm curious, like what the catalyst was. I mean, I mean, you can go back to even growing up, your, your school experience, your, your childhood, your teenagehood. I know you were um, uh, a soccer player, athlete. And I'm curious, like, at what point did you kind of get into this mindset of personal development, questioning sort of what the mainstream is, not just going along with, this is the typical way to take care of your body, you know, like questioning the dogma with physical health and nutrition and what sort of, what sort of got you going down this path of personal development? Um, You know, it's, I think it ties into transformation for me has always been personally fascinating. Um, I remember like when I first started lifting weights when I was in high school and the, the reaction that I got from obviously females, you know, I was dating this girl and she says, Matt, I'm breaking up with you. I'm going to date him because um, you're cute, but he's hot. And then I said, (laughs) I said, what's the difference? And, And she said, he has muscles. And so set the course of my life. Um, so then, you know, I start working out because now I'm going to get muscles because, you know, I'm a young, horny guy. So that's important. So I get muscles and obviously I get better feedback from girls. But one thing I noticed was I'd be at parties. And when you're in high school, you're really insecure about meeting people and all that. And men got, well, not men, guys were more willing to shake my, my hand and like be my buddy because like I was a bigger, stronger looking guy. And I remember like, wow, that's interesting. Then I remember how some guys didn't treat me any differently. And well, those are the genuine guys. So I had that experience in high school. And then um, again, in college, I went to this seminar by this woman who like, I was like a little, um, I, I was just a little crazy at, at the time. The, the, the seminar said, don't eat fried food. Don't touch milk. Don't touch any of these foods. Everything's bad for you. So I kind of freaked out and only ate fruit, vegetables, tilapia on a George Foreman grill, really clean protein shakes and like oatmeal. I like only ate that while I trained for soccer three hours a day and lifted weights constantly. And we're at soccer practice and we're doing sprints after practice. So like we run two miles before practice, we practice for three hours. Now we're doing sprints. The whole team is like exhausted. Well, I am like, I mean, so far ahead of them doing sprints at the end of practice that the captains are like yelling at me saying, you're making us all look bad, slow down. 
but my body from eating so cleanly, I mean, I looked incredible. I was so lean and I was performing just so much faster. To me, it was like, you can control this. Why is no one else more fascinated by the fact that this can be controlled? And, and then to answer your next question, um, so I went to school at uh, LSU. Well, first I went to Centenary and played soccer for two years. And then I went to LSU and in school, you know, they teach you a very um, in the box way of thinking, you know, like it's genetic, you can't fix this. You're stuck with these problems forever. There's zero out of the box thinking and you almost wonder where the, where the curriculum comes from. So I was kind of in the box with that, a lot of science, a lot of facts. And then when I was in about 23, 24, 25, I was going hard. I'm lifting weights. I'm partying really hard, drinking a lot, putting a lot of toxins in my body. I'm working a lot. I'm dating a lot. I'm not sleeping enough. I'm kind of getting stressed from every angle. I'm taking medical drugs. So like all these different things come into my body to where I have all these health problems and I'm working inside of a hospital, at a very high level. And I've got all these health problems and I'm a health coach at a hospital. So I start to use all the hospital resources. I start to go to all the different doctors and they, you know, it's very disintegrated. It's you have this problem. So you go to this place, you have this problem. So you go to this place. So I got nowhere, you know, it, it wasn't helping at all. And they just said, we can't fix this. We, we can give you more medications, but those weren't doing anything. So I got extremely desperate and it's when people get extremely desperate, they start to seek alternatives and looking other places. So then I start to dig into, okay, what if I just try this diet? What if I just try this diet? And some things work and some things don't work. And I had all these orthopedic injuries. So I'm getting into corrective exercise and I'm reading physical therapy textbooks that I would never read, putting myself through all these advanced evaluations and my body's just not adapting. But while I'm doing this, I'm personally training clients still in this corrective exercise process, this rehab process, other, some people are more adaptable than others. And I'm seeing, okay, holistically, if your system is functioning well, you can get mobility, you can get strength, you can recover faster if holistically you're nourishing things properly. So that's when I started to see, okay, there's this big difference. I had to stop working for the hospital. I, I went to work in physical therapy and I transitioned into my own place where I could do my own programs my own way. Um, and then things got, I don't know if, if you want to go where things go from there. <laughs> We'll get there. I love what you said about like taking control. You just realized, oh, I can take control and I'm going to be the fastest sprinter in the soccer team. And that it was sort of this light bulb moment. Like, why isn't anyone else really taking this mindset of, of like radical ownership? So but I'm, I'm curious if we could actually spin it back a bit. Cause I always like asking guests about like their experience going through like K through 12 school mm. and did you have that, any of that type of mindset earlier in life? And what was your sort of relationship with motivation? Because, you know, you, as you described, you were like, you went on this, this, this path was catalyzed with health in particular, and you're doing everything on your own volition to take control. Um, but I'm just curious about motivation in general in your life growing up. And I mean, you, of course, were a soccer player and, what sort of drove you and what was your relationship with like homework and grades and like at this typically in school we have this sort of extrinsic motivation of do this because the 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 authority said so were you like did you get good grades like what was your relationship there and how did you sort of 
how much internal motivation did you have versus just going through the motions? With with academics specifically, I had very low intrinsic motiv uh, motivation, um, probably an average IQ. And I made, you know, I think I graduated with like a 2.7, but I remember just always doing the minimum. I mean, not buying into it at all. Um, but from a motivational perspective, I remember it's really important. Um, my father and my mother, I guess, taught me you always honor your commitments. So there were times where I was out late or, or just, you know, something happened where like, I didn't want to go to practice today. That was never an option. Show, not showing up was never an option. If you can walk, you're going. I mean, in some really extreme situations, I still went to practice. Um, and then I remember my days in high school, I would wake up really early and drive an hour to school and do my homework before class and go through school and then go to soccer practice after school and then go lift weights after soccer practice and then get home and do homework at night or just try to chill out and relax and then get to bed and still not sleep enough. I was always busy. And I think staying busy, I stayed busy my whole life. There were some times where I deliberately opened up a lot of space, but I was not a stranger to just getting going all day, every day. And then, yes, it's always kind of motivated. Yeah. So you didn't care for the academics because that wasn't aligned with what you wanted, but you still have this mindset of, well, if I'm going to do something, uh, I mean, especially like the lifting weights and you were just had this mindset instilled in you to execute, right? Get things done. Yes. And things that I felt were, were, were important. So I remember in yeah. college, I would go to classes and I'd show up to class half an hour early with a book, not the book from the class, <laughs> but a book about working out, a book about um, building wealth and a book about like how to date. And, you know, <laughs> these were my interests at that time, but I was always into learning and I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. reading until I was like 18. And I was like, wait, I can read books about Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, these interesting things. And then I really got into reading. Yeah, that me too. I didn't, I just didn't care about reading basically. And as a teenager in high school and everything, you read the books that you were assigned and that, that sucked. What was and then like you the realized, Oh, you can read on your own based on what I'm actually curious about. What was like the first one or two books where you were like, wow, I read a whole book because that was interesting. Oh man, I can't even remember. I'm looking at my bookshelf now. But uh, I don't know. What was the, one of the first books? I mean, I remember reading, um, actually one of the books I was assigned in my senior year of high school in my AP English class, actually, it was like half extrinsic motivation, half intrinsic. Like it was Albert Camus, The Stranger. And he was talking about existentialism. And then Siddhartha by Herman Hess. Talking, like there's some of these bigger topics, but I just started getting more curious. Um, I don't think I read too much in college. I was just so focused on on my musical studies. But then like towards the end of college, started getting into some other books. Um, nothing's popping to mind in terms of, 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 of the earliest ones. But at some point, I just I was reading a lot of blogs, listening to podcasts mm -hmm. and just started like this snowball of, yeah, I'm, I'm just following my own curiosity. So, yeah, that's awesome that you caught that. Like you, you just realized that learning is real learning is when you figure out what you're curious about 
and you started reading about Arnold Schwarzenegger and had a date. And then, <laughs> then you just go on to the next book. Now it's like you and I are like, can't read enough books. You know, there's just so many, we're just backlogged for life. It's a good problem. Yeah. And, um, and I, th- I think at that age, uh, my, my parents, they, they're entrepreneurs. So they've almost had like this slight sense of rebellious behavior. So for me to just, you know, I, I, I never thought I was going to not be an entrepreneur. I, I, I knew to have a, a career with like a corporation, maybe I would need good grades or I, I didn't plan on going to MBA school. I knew I was going to do something outside of the system. I kind of knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. If you have parents that are entrepreneurs, it's huge in terms of building a self-concept as it were of what you want to do or what you could do, what's possible. And so you didn't get sucked in necessarily to the whole academic system because you knew there are other ways to, to live. Um, so the GPA, like, like I bet, I bet like half of entrepreneurs got GPAs under three, like you did, like <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know? Uh, yeah. so, so, so let's go, let's go forward to, to your twenties and, you know, you're, you're diving into the, the health and really trying to optimize your energy levels and, and, and working symbiotically holistically so that you can feel good and perform highly and all that. And then, then you started kind of taking it to the next level in terms of like the psychological, right? Cause like, as you've, you told me a little bit about your twenties were just more like, I'm just going to go date and like, I'm just alpha and like, <laughs> like uh, it, it wasn't super much about like, I, from what I've gathered, like you've just cultivated a lot of, of like compassion since in the past 10 years, maybe late twenties or into thirties and doing some of these psychedelics and getting into that. So sort of integration, healing some childhood trauma, like walk us through that next stage of development sort of through your twenties. Well, one thing that I would say, you know, I'm, I'm not the most compassionate person on earth, but one thing, <laughs> but one thing that that I kind of learned the last you know eight nine years or so is kind of who I am and what my tendencies are and where I fit in and kind of accepting the fact that I can be really aggressive and very intense and when that's a good thing and when that is offensive and annoying and you know doing more of this and less of that um, how I got there was coming out of fixing my health. I had to fix my orthopedic system. I had to get my energy up and fix my adrenal system. I had to fix my, my detox system and I had to fix my digestive system. Once I got these things online and everything was working, um, I had an injury, an, an, another injury, and I was so frustrated. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go and study yoga. And, and I booked a trip to Bali for six weeks and did a teacher training. So starting yoga was like a huge thing. And I read an, a, an Osho book about courage. And I was like, what am I so scared to do? Travel the world in Bali. I don't know anything about foreign travel, totally scared of all of it, just went and booked it and did it. And I'm a really masculine kind of, you know, aggressive guy. So me doing a yoga teacher training where like one day we just danced for an hour and that was class, (laughs) like outside of my comfort zone, you know, staring in people's eyes and, you know, just feeling and identifying your emotions. So these things were really strange for me, but it opened up a door. 
And at that time, I thought like, oh, these girls here like guys who are into yoga. And I was like, and I realized later on, no, no, no. There's a polarity. These sweet feminine yoga girls are like masculine men. So there was a confusion. And I really immersed myself in that energy and then came out of it and reset. Um, but after that yoga experience, it opened me up to other things like, um, like all the psychedelics and fasting. And um, I went down to Costa Rica and did a boga down there with some, some guys that trained with the shaman in Africa. And my experience down there was like, it was so mind blowing that I ended up traveling to Africa the next year, going to the jungle, um, getting initiated into the Bwiti tradition. They're the people in Africa that use a boga like as their sacrament. Um, and we were just talking about this, but I, I think it's worth sharing. But one thing that I don't hear get mentioned is when you're talking about a boga as a psychedelic, and they call this one, you know, the Africans think this is like the father of all psychedelics. And, and, I, and I can tell you about my experience, but one thing that really gets me is these shaman down there have been experimenting or playing with or using a boga in so many different ways their entire life for generations being taught by other shamans for generations. And there's just tons of them. And what I saw at the initiation ceremony down in Africa, I can't really tell the story because if someone told me the story, I would say, you're lying. There's no way that's even possible. Um, it's just so amazing. And that's one of the things that just humbled me and let me know, wow, there's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of spiritual things that are still, if this is possible, and I didn't think that was possible, what else could be possible? So completely humbling to know that the brain has some potentials that the Western world has yet to even scratch the surface of. Well, I think it's worth getting into that story. Uh, <laughs> okay, so wait, so you did the yoga, and this was like your introduction basically to you know, masculine, feminine, integration, balance, you're spending, I'm, I'm guessing most people there were female. Yes. Yes. Like 28 to four, something like that. Here's a question. So here's a question. When, at what point did you start like reflecting on your childhood? Um, was that, was any of that stuff coming up in your, like in Bali and some of this, um, you know, the yoga, yoga can really can access that. I think. Definitely. Um, I definitely got more in tune with my nervous system and the way I was feeling. But I mean, I was, I remember specifically, you know, taking mushrooms throughout my 20s. Right. So this is, you know, 15 years ago. And naturally, just not going out and partying, but staying home with one friend and just talking about things and noticing that how my brain got very objective. And I could just look at this guy, Matt and see his posture and see why he was acting the way he was acting, how his parents really wanted him to be super successful in this way, but that would never make him happy. He has to go and be free and do his own thing this way. And I could remember, I remember clearly seeing that early in my twenties. And then, um, you know, I've kind of always, there's, I've caught therapy here and there. So there's always been some of that. Yeah. So you were doing the psilocybin in starting the early 20s before any of the, the world traveling. Do you remember like how oh, you got yeah. caught? Yeah. Like you started, how did you get started in, in psychedelics at all? 
uh, buddies in college were telling me like, man, you feel so positive. It's uh, so clear thinking. And I was like, all right, I, I guess I'll try this. And then I, I remember trying them with friends and really connecting with how they felt with noticing like just the, the usefulness. To me, it was just, it was like 10 therapy sessions in, in two hours. So did you go in with that intention? I mean, obviously this, this, the intention is so key with these. And it sounds like you weren't like just recreationally, you know, going to a concert and, and partying on shrooms. It was maybe okay. somewhere in the middle. Like, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to go heal this particular memory. It was, Hey, let's hang out and then let's see what happens kind of thing. Well, those times certainly existed. Um, yeah. where they got abused <laughs> and, uh, safely it worked out, but more often than not, I would, I'd, I'd, I'd like to find one friend who I could really share my brain with and invite him over and, you know, stay up all night and talk through our lives, our problems, because, you know, this door really opens up, you know, and you can kind of access a lot more things when you're there. So we naturally just kind of stayed home and just talk through things. Um, didn't really know that like that was a thing. And like, yeah. at the time, I'm telling people like, they're good for you. They're good for you. You know, this is when they were very stigmatized. So people yeah. thought, just you know, doing drugs. Cause that would have been like 2006 or something. Right. Yeah. Way back then. Like, man, I wasn't, it wasn't on my radar that these had psychotherapeutic benefits until 2016. So you were, and so you're doing with, with, with a friend or two and then you, you've done some, you were doing solo mushroom experiences. Right. And you would just, you, you told me that you would just like, just lie on the ground and, and analyze life kind of thing. Yeah, I remember one time I uh, I was I was in my garage at my house with lots of plants, and I'm on like a Swiss stability ball, balancing my hands and knees, which would felt like three like thirty minutes or an hour or something. But I just stayed there and like breathed, and like just sank in. Um, that was an interesting day. Um, not too many solo missions. Usually just one guy. Yeah. So you had that sort of that foundation in in your early twenties, even. And then later on, you started going to, to Bali and the world traveling, just expanding your consciousness, expanding your perception of what is possible, your worldview. Yeah, let's dive in. I'm, I'm curious about these Boga stories because, I mean, just last week on the podcast, I was telling my story. I don't think I told you. Yeah, my, my like profound experience in Colorado um, connecting to love consciousness and, uh, let's, let's go. Cause I mean, let's, let's, let's hear, let's hear some out there stories, brother. If you're, if you're into it, because it's really worth, I think, entertaining, even if we, we can maybe re-examine the story and figure out, okay, well, that was, we can scientifically examine whether this thing is true or that thing is true, <laughs> but even just conceptualizing, new um realms of reality is really i think healthy so you've had some like i mean you, you've told me these stories a little bit about these shaman and like some mind-blowing experiences but what was anything coming to mind for a certain story i mean I, I can take it all the way to the one that you might not believe this but i'll go ahead and tell it i mean you know me i'm not much of a liar and oh yeah what what I did was this story was so it was so far fetched. I was like, I need to write this down now because I don't want my memory tainting the truth of what really happened when I was down there. I knew my memory would, would start to shape it, and I didn't want that to happen. So 
I wrote it down and I've, I've reread it since to, to make sure my story is straight. Um, the, the theme of a lot of these world traveling trips, I think people have a misconception. They're like, I'm traveling to explore and to see the world. And you know, not all who travel are, are lost and I'm searching for something. I was deliberately going to get uncomfortable to learn a new skill. And a lot of these trips were not like, I can't wait to get there. It was like, this is going to be really scary. I'm not going to eat for eight days. I'm going to be you know, landing at the airport in Africa, the only white person. And the guy that's picking me up is half an hour late. And I just felt like a fish out of water. And, you know, surrounded by people I didn't know in a strange place at a very small airport. So it was extremely um, fearful. Um, so I get down to Africa. We, we drive to the village. I'm there for two weeks. Um, electricity at night, zero internet, zero other electricity, basically no electricity, no water. Um, the Africans down there, they're called the Bwiti. The Bwiti, B-W-I-T-I, is the tradition that has been using a boga as a sacrament forever. Now, a boga is a medicine that it focuses on the truth. You will get the truth when you take this stuff. You don't hear many people talking about this, but their tradition it's, it's about the truth. So I can't imagine taking a boga off on, like from the internet or, or something and then not knowing what's supposed to come. You're supposed to know that the truth is going to be popping up in your head. And, and if you say, no, I'm not doing that, it comes back in a different way. You'll see an image in a different way. It's going to annoy you until you submit hmm. and accept. I remember one time I was, I was dating a girl and, and I had to break up with her, but I didn't want to break up with her. I did not want to break up. And I had to sit there and like, just accept the fact like, oh my gosh, I have to break up with, I, I, but not, you know, a girl who, who, who is now going to be my wife. And the fact that we broke up was like um, very useful for our growth and our process at, at, at the time. Um, so anyway, I'm down in Africa, the truth. So the ceremony starts and you've got this temple and you've got like multiple shaman in there. You know, they, they dress like normal people. When you see them down there, they're wearing their traditional um, uniforms, costumes, their tr traditional, I mean, it's, it's, it's decorative and it's like fun and, and they love getting dressed up and partying. So you've got all these, these visitors on one side, you've got all the women on one side and you've got all these shaman just lined up. So we're sitting there and they have us look at a fire. So they start to give us some of the medicine. We're actually down there getting the root, chopping up the root, eating the bark. And that's what activates, you know, that's the aboga. So all the guys that are visiting, you know, take it. And the shaman say, stare at this fire. Everybody stare at this fire. And if you see anything, tell us. So I'm looking at a fire. I'm like, I'm supposed to see stuff in a fire? Like what? And I didn't see anything. But the, the, the shaman are like, do not take your eyes off the fire. So they're all like studying, the, the shaman is studying us to see who's seeing stuff in the fire. Now, later on, I had this experience where I saw stuff in the fire and I was like, whoa, that was crazy. I literally like, it's like you take all the pixels that are in front of your face and my third eye came on top and just rearranged them into something completely different. I'm like, oh my God, it's like a message or something. But like, I could clearly see it almost like a hallucination, but... It was like all the pixels were the same, just rearranged. Anyway, one of these guys starts seeing things in the fire. He sees people dancing around, holding hands. He sees these really cute little messages, like 
Aboga just joking about the truth. And it's got this cute, quirky kind of energy to it. It's almost got a personality, which is, it's so witty. It's so clever. The imagery that comes in your head is only stuff that you would get. Um, one example of that is my, my fiance asked, are me and Matt a perfect fit for each other? And she saw this image of, imagine a jello mold being covered by plastic. And this jello mold gets thrown up into the air and it just flips slowly and it lands upside down perfectly in the plastic. And that's her message that we're an exact fit. Um, so, so you see these interesting, you know, things like that mm. that just pop in your head. So we're there. This guy starts to see stuff in the fire. So they take him, the shaman takes this guy, lays him down on the ground, puts something more detailed over his eyes and he can't see. Now, so, so, so this guy is like, you know, really tapped in because he's seeing stuff like the medicine's really functioning on him. The shaman then does something that I didn't understand and I didn't remember to write down, but it was as if he like flew him to the moon and um, I don't know, he like charged him up in some way. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm butchering this description, but he did something to him to where he, he was really, really amped up or really just focused or high or whatever. So then he tells the kid, hey, um, imagine walking into your house. So, and they told me this was going to happen. And later on, I did this, but they always take you on this one guided journey where they walk you into your house. So you'll see a visual image of yourself walking into your house and you will meet your soul. So now we're starting to get to crazy land, right? This is what happens. Um, and I, I, I did it later. I, I, I saw myself in, in, in my kitchen chopping vegetables and I basically just laughed at myself and said, get in shape. Come on, man, let's get going. But anyway, so this guy sees his soul. His soul tells him something very uncomfortable that he does not want to hear. Um, not, not, not appropriate for, for, for me to share that. But he has that experience. And since he, you know, is out there in, in front of this entire temple sharing that, the, the shaman's like, all right, stand up. Now, sit right across from Matt and look directly into his eyes and tell me about his problem. Tell me about him. And he starts telling me things there's no way he could ever know. I had like a pain in my side. And he's like, there's a blockage right here. He said he pulled it up and saw it like an x-ray. And I questioned this kid after this, like the whole day, like tell me exactly what you saw. And so I had all this information about how like, I need to be more honest with myself and um, some other stuff that came up with, with some health issues I was having at the time. And I thought like, all right, you know, how did he know all this stuff? It was amazing how like, I would ask him later, like, how'd you know that? It's like, it just popped in my head. It just popped in my head. It just popped in my head. It's like he's connected to the ether or something. And things are just popping into his head. This guy now goes around the room, sitting across from every single person, telling them things about their life, about their souls, about what they want, their truth. He could clearly see it. And he's like, okay, you're a Kung Fu guy. I can see your dojo. Your biggest fear is being defeated. And he's like, yeah. He would say, all right, you're an artist. You have a collection. It's called this. And you're going to match that collection with mentoring kids. Um, you've written half of a book, but you stopped writing it. Why? Finish the book. Or not. He didn't even like, you know, give him a next act or anything. But like he just could see all these things. And then, then the, uh, the, the, the shaman says, here, look at my son and tell me what you see. So the shaman's like, you know, he's, he's, he's almost laughing because uh, 
the, the, the guy says, well, well, your son, like, he's really smart, but, like, when he gets told stuff, it just bounces off him. Like, it, do, it doesn't sink in. And, and the shaman's like, see, I told you, touches me. <laughs> then the, the, the shaman says, all right, I'll sit down. What do you see in me? And he says, man, you're tired. You've done a lot. He's like, yeah, I've been working with this medicine forever. It's a lot of work. It's, it's, it's really stressful. And he's like, you've, you've, you've done some things. And he's like, haven't we all? It's like, yeah, sure. And, and he, he said he, he, he could tell how like the shaman could almost like show him what he wanted to show him. Um, and that was a unique thing. I'm sure his skill set with these things going is just, you know, beyond anything we could ever comprehend. So then, I mean, dude, it gets so crazy. Then this kid is still, he's got this like superpower for like the whole next day. So you've got people in the village lined up waiting to get like a reading. Well, he's, he's, he's come down it, from the medicine it, it, though. No. He's still like going and he's still looking at people and giving them feedback about their lives or like answering yeah. some, some really serious questions. Um, you know, who can believe that story? I wouldn't believe that story, but that's what I went down and experienced the, the, the potential of this medicine. That's why I went there to see what it could do. And knowing that that was just one ceremony that they just kind of did one day with one person, like they do stuff, who knows what they can do. It's mind-blowing. Man, it's just so fascinating and mind-opening. Because even if we don't have the explanation for that, it's there's something happening. It's like, there's not some, there's not some trickster, of, I mean, who, who's like dishing out these stories to this one guy, like, he was just one of the participants, right? Like completely, they, yeah. they, they picked him out. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's where the rational brain goes is like, yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> how is this magic trick working, right? Yeah, right. There's just no way, man. There's just no way he, he, he would have known this stuff. It's, he was the kid that like came there the, the same way I came there. But yeah. he was very like, I think like some people like are gifted in certain ways. I think he might've been pretty gifted with like his third eye might be, um, a little more charged up than most. And he was the kind of guy, like he had, he had sacred geometry tattoos all over his body. Like he was inspired in that way already. So he yeah. was kind of a special dude. I don't know if anyone or everyone could get to that point, but maybe this guy could, cause he was, he had this kind of- Yeah, it's just, it's just so fascinating because there's, it's definitely, there, there's some explanation, but we, we don't have it yet. We haven't like obtained that information as humans yet. I mean, I, I'm searching of it because I had a similar, I didn't, tell you this or I didn't I didn't tell the podcast audience this either last week um when they one of the other experiences I had at this mind camp retreat a couple weeks ago was working with this body worker this um I worked with two different body workers the one that I worked with there's Trisha and Maureen Maureen was the person I worked with uh, in the story that I told last week connecting to love consciousness but I also worked with Trisha at the very beginning of the retreat and she's known for like, she looks at you or she just touches your body for a moment and she knows about some past traumatic experience. And I, I heard about her before I had worked with her and I was like, wow, it's a well, wow, we'll see if that's true for me. And then she starts working with me 
And she's, you know, she's, she, I'm on the massage table. She's working on my body and we're just talking and we're talking. She's getting to know me, my childhood and all that. And she's reading me, but, and then we get to this, this story that I, like, I have the story of that's kind of this trauma, sort of like lowercase T trauma, but it's really attached to shame for me mm-hmm. where basically when I was like about 10 years old, fifth grade, and I was waiting to get picked up outside of the elementary school by my, by my parents, but there was some miscommunication and they, they thought I was taking the school bus home and I thought they were picking me up. And so I was waiting and then they never came. And then I was like the last kid left. And I felt all this embarrassment and humiliation and shame that I was like the kid who's left. And this had happened like other times before with my, with my family. Like I always like, it always bothered me that I was that last kid left because his family didn't have their shit together. Um, and it really just hit, it was like this really impactful, like that was like the last straw. And I guess in that moment, I just was so ashamed. And I went, I went to like go hide, but here's where it gets interesting. I start telling this, this story to Trisha. And then she's like, I get to this, like this point in the store where I am right now. And then she's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw this as soon as I met you, I saw this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I heard that you like, you have these types of like skills. Uh, I'm really, really intellectually curious. Like, can you, can you tell me more about this memory before I go on? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, there's, um, there was a flagpole and a pair of shoes and then a shrub. I'm like, What? <laughs> he nailed these three specific details because what happened was there's this playground and I go I'm, I have my backpack and my pair of boots and I they're like pretty heavy I take them off I put them down next to this flagpole on the playground and then I go hide behind this shrub because I didn't want anyone to know that I was waiting for my parents still and I'm just like mind completely blown there it yeah. is objectively true that she named those details without me telling her them to her first. So it's like, and then she says she saw as soon as she met me, I mean, I, I can't verify that, but I, okay, there, there's something going on. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like tell that story to anyone else at the mind, mind fix team. Like there's no, she didn't have access to that information. It's just like, really specific okay so there this happened now what's the explanation i don't fucking know you don't fucking know what happened with this boga ceremony but something happened and it's just like it's really exciting to me because it means like humans have so much more to learn and i don't think it's actually like supernatural mystical i think there's actual just cause and effect explanation for things but we don't know like there's some other force at play that we haven't uncovered yet well, there's like a, I think it's called clairvoyancy. And there is basically like a sixth sense, like an intuition that um, I think from the Boga experiences that, that I've had, I can kind of look at a person and I, like a story kind of comes to me and I wish I could go and like guess and see how right I was. But as I did, I, I just got a little <laughs> sensitive to it, a little more intuitive. And, um, you know, like if there's like, there is like a sixth sense that the Western world capitalism, the Western medicine world has not acknowledged exists. And 
until we acknowledge it exists and begin to explore that and experiment with it. I mean, what could we experiment with, with, you know, the funding that is possible. So I guess, you know, people like maps are maybe getting closer and closer to this, but I mean, we, we got to get tight with, with the shaman and say, Hey man, what do you want? How yeah. can you uh, show us what's going on here? How can we actually study this stuff? Bring yeah. that Western lens, scientific lens to this and yeah, figure out what's going on or yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's only just the beginning with the psychedelics at all becoming slowly creeping into the culture and becoming more accepted. If you think about the big picture, where could we be in 50 years? You know, it's just, I mean, even just the field of psychology in Western world is only 150 years old or whatnot. Um, the, the, the realm of, of trauma, like, is even younger, just actually looking at that. So this is, if you look at just human history and civilization history, this is really new. So yeah, there's so much potential. Yeah, there's definitely a, a sixth sense of sorts of just intuition of, I've noticed that as well, where I, I can meet someone and I, I have gut feelings. I know, I might not be able to say specifically, I don't have a specific memory, like I can't read their specific trauma or have a clear image, but I have an intuition about, I have an intuition about if they are traumatized that I'm very sure about. <laughs> wow. um, you, you, and you, also, you can sometimes see on someone's face, like this guy and his dad don't get along. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, yeah, for me, I don't know if it's that specific yet, but it's definitely like this person isn't yet like integrated. You know, this person has, is suppressing. This person is disassociated. This person is fragmented. Um, I can see it like in their eyes, their countenance, whether they're sort of stiff, whether how they speak, whether like they're coming from a real deep, authentic place or they're sort of, you know, they're guarded. They're, they're, and, and, yeah. So, you know, you could just, you could just chalk that up to, well, that's just your brain is very swiftly and quickly calculating information based on body language and facial expressions. And it's, there's not necessarily some special sense. It's just like the brain is a pattern recognizing machine, right? And so it learns that there's specific subtle muscles that move in the face and that means certain things without, without you knowing it consciously. It's just, it's calculating. That's possible. Like there's maybe there's not like actually an aura field around them that you can read, but there's it's definitely like territory to explore more. Well, there's a there's there may be some sort of astral plane or some sort of ether that um, I mean some people have have access to this apparently and you know you don't see them they're not marketers you know they're not running around bragging about it they're not shocked and surprised by it they're so grounded and, and calm that you know they just work. Yeah, so this is this is juicy stuff. I want to go a little further with. A psychedelic stories and I, mean, I think it's so valuable to to toss these these stories out into the podcast ether and expose this to the world as much as possible to continue to destigmatize psychedelics and and highlight that there's there's psychotherapeutic value you know to, to build self-knowledge to you know whatever the explanation is there's there's countless people who have experienced personal growth 
through these plant medicines. So let's dive a little bit more in and then we'll kind of bring it back to the typical realm of conversation and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to your, hear more about your coaching. But, stuff, um, you know, there's grounded takeaways and actionable things you can yeah. do to influence your life. You know, it's not just yeah. spiritual talk. So, so okay, we, we, we've talked about Iboga and that's not a medicine that I've tried yet. I'm definitely curious about that one. And another one I haven't tried yet is ayahuasca, which you've experienced down in Peru. So that one, like, you mentioned Iboga is like going to give you truth in this very masculine way. I understand the ayahuasca is more feminine and yeah, it's, uh, it's also very, you know, facing your dark side. And I, I also just understand it to be just physically challenging people throwing up. I don't know if that's a myth, but, or if that's oh, the yeah. case all the time. If I don't bring up that part, uh, remind me of that. Cause that's, there's something in there about that. Um, so I, I went down to Peru and I feel like, you know, this is like the new, like I'm woke rite of passages. You have to go down to the Amazon and take ayahuasca. Like you have to do that at some point. You know, then you, then you come back and now you're enlightened. Well, let me tell you, I'm not enlightened. Okay? <laughs> a little more aware, but uh, you know, it's all about coming back and actually implementing the stuff you learned, making hard decisions. I mean, having hard conversations, making major changes and, you know, developing habits and routines. I went down to Peru and didn't even work with a shaman in the Amazon. It was like a retreat center. And there was this guy, he might as well have been a shaman because some of the wisdom that came out of his mouth was, I was just sitting there like, I wish I had recorded this. This is just pure truth. I mean, it was, it was genius. Now, with a boga, there's a very masculine, direct truth. I mean, it's, it's, it's right in your face. It's energetic. It's high heart rate. It's, you know, there's a music that they played the entire time that I hadn't mentioned, but that's interesting. And this ayahuasca, it's a very much a maternal, um, beautiful uh, Mother Earth-like loving energy. So you have these polarities, masculine, feminine, truth, and love. So I'm down there. We take ayahuasca. We do it for two nights. Um, first, we did a sweat lodge, which was insanely hot. I didn't realize the body could do that. I would have never done that. I thought I was going to die. So I'm, I'm totally cleansed after the sweat lodge. The next night, we go into the ayahuasca ceremony. And um, this guy is talking all this genius. We're at a really comfortable retreat center. It's, it's, it's a yoga retreat with some very trusted people. And um, I lay down, I drink this stuff. I, I, I tend to always have a little bit more than everyone else. And I was really worried about that. Like, am I going to puke? Like, is something going to come up? You know, there's all these stories about people say it's this like fearful experience. You know, I don't like that. I think if you've ever had a hangover in your life and been that uncomfortable and had a headache where you couldn't get out of bed, that's worse than any of the physical discomfort you're going to feel on psychedelics. Now, there's other fears about people being afraid of their own mind. Well, that's something else. <clears throat> so anyway, we get down there. I take it. And there was about 10 minutes where, like, I felt pretty horrible. And I did throw up. And it kind of went away relatively quick. But the experience I had mentally, um, <clears throat> I didn't have, like, some people see some really beautiful things in their third eye, when they close their eyes, they see some, they're flying through outer space. You know, they've got these great stories. I don't get a lot of visual. My brain 
compulsively kept having the same thought. And I kept going through, um, I had, I had dated and been with a lot of girls in my twenties and, you know, before whatever. And, you know, I didn't always handle these situations as well as I could have. I, mean, I, I wasn't super horrible. I, di I didn't do anything to traumatize anybody, but you know, you, you, you hook up with somebody, don't call them back, you know, whatever it was, I wasn't horrible, but there was some guilt in there. There were some things in there. And I remember feeling like cold and like alone and like, just like almost how I had made them feel I was feeling for like this whole ceremony. And then I had to relive every single situation with all the girls I had dated. And I had to feel things from their perspective, really feel it from their perspective. And I almost feel like a remorse about it and a processing of it. And we go through the whole first ceremony and I'm still processing these different situations. Then we had the second ceremony. The first ceremony, I had that throw up. The second ceremony, I was on the toilet a lot more. <laughs> My body was detoxing differently. Well, about halfway through that ceremony, I kind of process all these different situations and all that guilt. And then this image comes to me and it's like this like white light going from heart to heart, from my heart to my girlfriend's heart, to my sister's heart, to my mother's heart. And it's like the only bond and connection that matters is love. And that's it. And everything else seemed to just dwindle away and not matter. And if I just focused on love, and just nourish that around me and made that my priority, everything else would fall into place. There was a very deep sense of that. And I remember um, I got up to go to the bathroom doing one of the ceremonies and the, um, the shaman kind of guy was in the bathroom and I walked behind him and I hug him and I say, so I just have to focus on love and that's all that matters. And he's like, you got it, you got it, you did it. It's worth it, the whole thing was worth it. This, this is, that, that's the message that you're supposed to get, you got it. And he was so excited about it. And then the last image I had was uh, something that was a little surreal was I'm laying down or I'm, yeah, I'm laying down and I processed all this. And I imagine, you know, like my mother and her life and her pain. And then I imagine giving her a hug. So after I'd gone through all this processing, I hugged my mother. And while I'm laying down, I remember feeling this like warmth go down my back. And I was like, whoa, that was a little supernatural. That was, that was, that was, that was a little weird. But, um, you know, I actually felt it. And I remember feeling that. And then, you know, my relationship with women after that has been much healthier. I mean, I, um, I was dating my fiance at, at that point. So I didn't have any experiences after that, really. But um, it was good to process everything else out of me. And, um, you know, it, it's almost like this mother was like, sit down and look at what you've done. And, you know, you, know, you need to be more loving and, and understand how important love is. So you had the first 10 minutes was a little uncomfortable. You threw up. And then how long is that experience? Um, all of these, you start pretty late. You might start at 10 PM and the ayahuasca was a bit quicker. You know, these things move through me really quick. And like, you know, I think there's a misconception that you lay down and you can't get up and you're like out. I mean, sometimes people are like so deep in their minds, like they're just, you know, doing something in there. But if, you, if, if the building is set on fire, like you can get up and walk, you know, but um, I could always get up at, at any time with any of this stuff. But um, the ayahuasca, you know, for me, I mean, two, three hours in, you start to peak and then come down. I, I think for most people, it's a bit longer. The aboga is like, it's you're down at 
10, 11, 12 o'clock, you're peaking around like one or two, and then you're laying there having an entertaining experience with, with a blindfold on and African music until 6 a.m. And then at 6 a.m. the next day on a boga, you, um, you feel physically sober and you don't realize until the next day that you were processing that whole day. And I mean, you're just downloading so much, mm-hmm. so much. So the, the ayahuasca, after that initial discomfort, those next few hours, is it, it's not so much the, the physical discomfort. It's more just let's, okay, let's, let's look at my own, my own mental state, my own life and this energy in your, I'm just curious. I'm, I'm actually just curious about that detail, how much, it seems like there's like this initial throw up, throw up or vomiting when people have at the beginning. And then, and then that's not like throughout the whole ceremony. Um, you know, I think it's, some people. It's, it's very different for everyone. Yeah. Very. I think you'll see typically maybe 30%, I would guess might vomit on their first time. Um, I imagine you don't after your body gets used to it. Um, you know, I just think that the, the fear in that piece is pretty overblown. I don't, I don't okay. think that's to, to really be like, you've been sick, you've thrown up. But like the thing is when you're sick, you stay sick for a day. When you're doing this stuff, it, it, it passes relatively quickly. Okay, so then when you're sort of interfacing with this mother energy, how would you describe that experience versus like the psilocybin mushroom? How much, like how connected to, to reality are you? Um, what sort of visual, visualizations might you have or what's the differences in, in similarities? Um, you know, to be honest, I never, I've only done ayahuasca three, four times maybe, and I've never connected really well with it. And, um, I just haven't connected well with it. Maybe one day I will, but, um, you know, cause I'm, I'm hyper-masculine about things. So with the aboga, like I get it direct, yeah. you know, truth. It's a fire. I've got this fire element in me. Like it really connects, but this nurturing side, like, you know, I, I really can't say I understand it that well, because, I have not developed myself over there fully, I guess. But I mean, I do well, a lot of feedback on that. You'll 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 get there. That's 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 how why we're a good team because you <laughs> help accentuate my masculinity, and I think I help accentuate your femininity. Certainly, certainly. We we have really good complementary skill sets, yeah. and then we have shared values, so we have yeah. a great great. Ah, <sighs> man, yeah, I'm really curious too. To, to, because like ayahuasca is known as like mother and iboga's father right those are like those are like the big ones in psychedelics oh, I, I think those are the those are the big two definitely yeah yeah like everyone talks about psilocybin and and, and lsd but those seems to be the most powerful from what i've stories i've heard i'm curious to, to go down that territory and see what revelations will come the thing is the word powerful I hesitate to use that word because it, it's powerful. Like it's so intense. I can't handle it. And, and oh, I'm not ready for it yet. You know, like it's going to be this overwhelming thing. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating to use the word powerful. Right. It's just not, you just sit down, lay down, like you're going to meditate and just submit to what's coming in front of you and accept the truth or accept whatever experience you're supposed to have. It's just your mind, nothing. It's safe. Like 
Yeah. It's like, why are you so afraid of your own thoughts? And maybe some people, you know, have a lot of stuff to be afraid of inside of their own minds. That's maybe where, but like, nothing is going to come up that you don't already know about. It's the stuff that yeah. you know is a problem that you've taken and pushed it to the side of your brain and told yourself a story and it doesn't matter. And I'm going to go on and act like this doesn't exist. It's when you do that, that's what comes up. It's not going to like tell me I'm gay all of a sudden because I've just yeah. never, you know, that thought in my head. Like, you know, something's not going to come out, out, of, out, of, out of left field. Um, it's, it's something that like is there that you, you, you know you have to process. You've told yourself a story. You've packaged it. You've oversimplified it. You think it doesn't matter. You're lying to yourself. And now it comes out. And this is an opportunity to kind of deal with that and process that. And even maybe even here's what I have to do next to, to because whether you acknowledge it or not, it's influencing your behavior yeah. completely. Yeah. And it's almost, instead of, instead of you have to acknowledge it, you get to acknowledge it, right? It's an opportunity for integration and personal growth. And yeah, I think, you know, and, and this kind of helps segue to bring it back to some of the grounded habits and stuff that we want to get to and in, in your <laughs> coaching work. But like, if you've done the journaling work, you've done, you know, set its completion exercises, you've, looked at truth in your own internal landscape before yeah. like for me I, I just started psychedelics um just over a year ago and it's been amazing um because i've already had years of of facing truths i'm at this point i'm like let's go man like every single one of these like let's go deep dig deep yeah. and because i know that when you actually face it on the other side of that is is the fruits, right? So if someone's doing ayahuasca cold, so to speak, they've never really done any of this personal growth work. I can see how it could be really hard, but I suspect for anyone who's kind of been on the path for some time and maybe done some more surface level work, but, but also just faced adversity and faced truths about self, that's just like, yeah, it's going to be amazing integrate that knowledge yeah i think if, if you meditate and you journal and you can do that yeah after that it's find out a safe way to, to do the psychedelic and yep. once you have that piece set up people you trust a space you you trust it's, it's going to be dosed out properly yep. if you got all, all those things are in line yep go for it go for it yeah it's all about this the set and setting really i mean you know we've done a couple of shroom trips together and those those containers that we create are really it really makes a huge difference we just we, we trust the environment trust each other and we haven't we have intentions and that's everything so yeah i mean i don't i mean personally if i would recommend like meditation journaling for a couple of years before you just dive right in but maybe to psychedelics maybe that's depends on the person but um but yeah so let's bring it back to that's where our that? are very different I'm like, go for it. <laughs> like if, if you, if, if you're physically safe and you've got safe people to do it with um, and, and you're not scared, go for yeah. it. If, if you're scared as a way to get closer to it, to make sure there's nothing too crazy with your brain, meditate, do journaling, you know, until you feel getting comfortable getting through some stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about what, again, your intention. So if, if you accidentally do, ayahuasca and you're not like i want to explore my mind then someone just hands it to you and you're not like in that place that's different than 
I want to face my demons. Okay, let's go. You know, so let's, let's tie this to, to every day of life, so to speak. And, and this is actually a, a great transition because what you do with your performance coaching, one of your strengths as a coach is to, to help people get clear about the next action, the next step, and to say, okay, you want to go to the gym? What clothes are you going to wear? You know, are you going to put your, your gym shorts out? What time are you going? Like getting real specific about the actual doing of whatever it is you want to do and not getting caught in the ether of like, oh yeah, someday I, I think I want to do that. But saying, hey, someday is not a day of the week. What's the next step? Let's go, right? So like what, I mean, well, here's a question. I mean, tying back to the, the psychedelics, like, I mean, obviously you mentioned like the breakup with your girlfriend who then later became your fiance, but uh, after the aboga, like you had that experience and then you went back to reality and then you were like, okay, I need to do action, right? Are there any other stories from your life of just, or maybe after the ayahuasca or just, okay, now I'm back in my everyday life. What am I going to do? Oh, you know, well, what, one, like, so when you have these experiences, you almost get homework if you do it right. Yeah. And um, I, I had this one experience, I hesitate to share this, but really personal. I kind of had a crush on this girl for a while. And this was during when I was broken up with my girlfriend, my fiance. And um, I was processing through this. And I, uh, after one of these ceremonies, I had to go and talk to this girl to see if like she had a crush too, or if it was just something in my head or whatever. So I had to go sit down a person who I'm friends with, you know, we have a friendship and I have to go say, Hey, so I've got these feelings for you. And she's got a boyfriend. I, 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 but it's, I just have to go and just get this out. Like, do you have these feelings at all? Or is it just me? And she handled it perfectly. She was so calm. And she was like, I can see, you know, how you might feel that way because like we do have a really intimate friendship. We do share a lot. Um, but honestly, I've never thought about it because the door's never been open for me. And when she said, look, I haven't had these feelings at all, my brain could just completely let that go. Mm. And now I have got a very appropriate friendship with her. And it's beautiful to have that friendship now and not this like virus in mm-hmm. my head, you know, a story I, I maybe built up in my mind. But now think about how like how that may have been affecting my relationship. And now I've detoxed and cleansed that what if out of my head. And now I can focus on, okay, my fiance is my soulmate completely without doubt. And now I can get married and like, just be so much more completely there. Now that's one of the things, maybe that's one of the reasons that we had to break up with so I could get that out of my head. But I mean, dude, talk about like a tough conversation to have. So every experience, there's something at that level. Like have, having to break up, you know, like a tough conversation to have. Um, so every time there's some kind of updated thing, um, we're, we're trying to tie this back to the actual coaching and get away from the psychedelics though. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's the thing about personal development is there's not, there's no shortcut or magic pill. Like, oh, I'm going to Peru and now I'm enlightened because I had ayahuasca. It's like, no, there's, there's no just one experience and then you're like, you have this big breakthrough I mean, there, there could be a, some degree of that, but when it comes down to it, it's like, it's about your everyday habits and your, like, what's your life context and situation and what 
what do you need to face? What, um, you know, what dragons do you need to go stare in the eye and slay, you know, to borrow from Jordan Peterson. So that's really powerful. Like the, like you, like you mentioned the, before the medicine will sort of shake up and shine light on this truth that you already know, but you've pushed to the side and then you see it from the, on the medicine. And then you got to actually go do like same thing with like mind fix, like mind fix, you delete this limiting belief. And now maybe you feel more content and lighter and you have less resistance to go doing what you want to do, but you still need to go do what you want to do. There's no, like you did this personal development and now all of a sudden you have your soulmate, you have your six figure business. Maybe it'll be be easier to do that now, but it comes down to the action. So like, Tell us more about how you, you coach and, and that action step oriented mindset. And, and, um, you know, so you've, you know, you've, you've done coaching for 10,000 hours now in terms of the training and the health side, and now you're taking it Mm. to the next level. You've done this, um, performance coach training with Tony Robbins son, and you're building this business and starting to coach people on not only health, you're incorporating health and getting their physical energy up. And you're talking about, okay, what is it that you want? Like you have one life. What are you going to do? What does your financial future look like five, 10 years from now? Um, tell us more about, about your approach to getting people to actually fall through on their dreams. Yeah. Um, so first I'll, you know, they, they talking to me for a reason. What is that reason? There's a problem or there's something that they really want to do. Um, and you know, we quiz the heck out of them. How much information can, how much, how deeply and closely can I listen? And I have to get some big questions answered. Like, I want to know what have you done in your life that like you're really proud of? Cause I'm going to remind you of who you are later when you start to slip. Wait, aren't you the guy that did that? And you can't do, come on, let's go. Um, I'm going to do that. I'm going to dig in. What is your dream? What do you need? Why do you need that? Okay. Why do you need that? Why is that important though? Okay. What, what is the root call? What is the root need here? And then let's just come up with one big outcome that's important. What is your big outcome that you want to achieve? And then there's kind of three pieces to it. There's how can we keep you motivated and inspired to do it? And that piece involves not logically doing things, but staying emotionally excited about it every day. So let's go through all the reasons. Who is going to benefit from this? What's it going to be like when you get there? What's going to stop you from getting there? Um, you know, let's detail this potential future and how awesome it is. And then let's say, okay, you haven't done this yet. How has that affected your life? You're not doing it now. How is it affecting you every day? If you don't do it, where are you going to be? So we tap into pleasure. We tap into pain and we come up with like a statement, a rocket fuel statement that you read every day. And it, it's been surprising how much it's influenced me. Um, how much it's influenced people I've worked with. But when we get that statement right and it touches on, on, on something emotional, you, you watch their eyes light up. I write that down. I'm, I'm going to repeat that later. <laughs> so that, that first piece is the motivational fuel. That second piece is accountability. We're going to meet every week. And I'm going to just ask you, what do you want to do? Next? Like, what do you think is, is the best next move? Why? And it's all got to come from them. 
And then I've got tools, I've got ideas, you know, I'll toss things out. And if they jump on it, they jump on it. So what do you want to get out of this session? Like, what was the homework from last session? What are the goals for the next session? And what is going to stop you from doing this? When are you going to do this? I get real excited when somebody writes down something, you know, which brings me to the last piece. So there's the motivation. There's, um, there's the second piece was the, um, not the accountability, but um, the organization. So the second piece was the accountability. The third piece is the organization. So now motivation, accountability, organization. So the organization is the piece where we're really going to take this large goal and break it down into benchmarks, into checkpoints. And now we've got a very clear plan. That means every day you wake up and you just have to just knock out this one little piece. You're building a brick wall and every day you're laying down one brick and one year you're gonna have this beautiful brick wall. And we underestimate what we can do in a year and we overestimate what we can do in a month. So we're gonna come up with tasks that match big objectives that tie into big goals. And now we're gonna put this in your calendar. And you know, high performers use a calendar. Use a calendar. They piece it apart and they put it in the calendar and then you just start to chip away at it. And when you have that calendar, when you have that plan and you work a 12 hour day getting that stuff done, being inspired by your rocket fuel, thinking about that dream, the person who you're going to become because you're on track. After you work that 12 hour day, you sleep good that night. You feel great about yourself because you know where you're going and you don't have to wake up and do this thing where, did I get enough stuff done today? What should I be doing today? Da, da, da. Mm. You know, your mind is not for storing ideas and remembering things. Your mind is for having ideas. And when you have an idea, do you have a process? Do you, do you email your, yourself? Do you write it down in, in a notebook? Where is the to-do list? So that this idea does not get lost in the ether. And making sure all these things are just focused and on point and meeting every week, you know, you're falling off. All right, let's get back on. Why are you falling off? What distracted you? All right, but don't you want this? Isn't this important? Is it important anymore? Do we need to change things? Like this isn't working. Let's change the approach. So that's the process. I mean, as you can see, it's so much fun to see things transform. Yeah, I love that. And you touched on my next question, which is, you know, what happens when someone maybe falls off the tracks, so to speak, or, or loses some, some of that motivation, but you, you, you bring it back. It's like, well, what's going on? Why? You know, when, what, and you bring it back to that mission and that emotion and that pleasure. I love that that's integrated into your philosophy of asking questions. So it's, you're the guide and they're the hero, right? They are making the decisions. They are thinking for themselves and you're cultivating, you're, helping them cultivate intrinsic motivation and you're starting from you're starting from the vision of of like oh like you see them smile and like oh i love that i want that and you 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 capture that and you keep going back to that and then yeah you're going to bring that you know accountability and that word often gets this connotation of like you know do it because this other person's making you do it and it's almost this extrinsically motivated connotation but you're you're flipping that and saying yeah i'm gonna be here to like remind you of what you want like do you want this or not right it's up to you it's your life but you're not gonna you're kind of there to to be 
to be a guardrail, right? And so to keep staying in that bowling lane of this is where you want to go. You want to go hit those pins, right? Remember how good it's going to feel? Remember how good it's going to feel? Remember how life's short? Like, keep on it, keep on it. So it's this really excellent duality of, of, I mean, I always like to talk about dreaming and doing as the duality. It's like dream wild success and then do the next step. Boom, boom. Like that is the key. <laughs> Continue to dream wild success and then, okay, what's the next step and keep doing the next step and you'll get there. I think people have this misconception that like a coach, because, you know, they get twisted with a coach as a guru or whatever, like, yeah. This is not a dogmatic process. Like I don't have a system that I put you through that everyone, like a one size fits all thing. Um, I think what every really great coach learns at some point is that I'm sitting there asking questions. Now I'm kind of moving towards something when I'm asking these questions, because I suspect this is the direction maybe we should go, but all like more than half the time I'm leading them to a spot and whatever they come back with, whatever gets revealed, whatever this thing needs to happen next that comes from them is not what I would have guessed. I would have been wrong. I'm just there trying to uncover and reveal they know what the next step is. Because if I get them, if I give them a, a homework assignment that is leading them in, in the wrong way and they're not excited about it, it's going to die. It's not going to work. It's got to be their idea. It's got to come from them. It's like when you pay for something, like you value it now, you're going to use it. You're, you're, you're going to do it. But if it's my idea and I tell you, you're, you're going to question it more. So it's, it's got to come from the client. So speaking of the client, what, what types of people are you looking for? You know, is a certain like life stage or a certain type of person that you, you tend to uh, work with and excel with? Um, you know, I've, I've, I've got such a background with the health. It's, it's really, to me, it seems fundamental and, and, and easy with those clients, but you know, it's interesting, like the business goals are really fun for me or just, you know, the, the, the whole life, but men are who I'm working with. Cause I think that's who I mesh better with men and, you know, guys that are doing business guys that are just looking to get all these pieces put together and just like, let's say someone's got a rough six months ahead of them, a big project for work. And they want to make sure it goes well. And they need their life to be balanced and focused. Maybe they got to meditate. Maybe they got to work out. Maybe they have to have these pieces organized and in place because there's something crucial going on. Or maybe they're just sitting around and they're ready to take their life to the next level. They're just sick of just not doing anything. But you want a surefire bet that things are going to move forward. Let's hang yeah. out and talk. Because, you know, I've kind of always done this my entire life. If you talk to my cousins, you've talked with me. I have these conversations anyway. I have to ask permission to have these conversations all the time because this is what I want to talk about is what can we do next? What, what, what inspires you? What is your gift? What are you awesome at that I can like learn from it? How can we see that like reveal all that hidden potential? That's so much fun. I'm reminded of our friend Russ who I had in the podcast a couple months ago and we were talking on the show about our mushroom trip and he he had this like, out of body esoteric experience interacting with the logos and he wrote like he wrote this like two pages about it the next morning and it's really like you know abstract and then he said that he talked to you about it the next day and and you're like well that's that's good russ so what are you gonna do next <laughs> <laughs> well you know 
you know, what does that mean? Because I think there's there's like three personality types and they all, you know, it's hard to just put people in boxes. But generally, some of us tend to fit into three categories. Some people like me have to figure out how to chill out and slow down and relax and not overconsume and not, you know, earlier I said, go ahead and do it. Like sometimes I'm too much of that. Um, so I, I have that tendency. But then you have people that like don't move quick that need to work out, that need motive, that need a fire under their ass. They got to get going. So you treat them a certain way. Um, and then you've got this type that they tend to think about their feelings and their ideas and they stay in that space a lot and they have to get grounded and they need routine. They need organizing. They need, you know, really straightforward, grounded things to keep them focused. So I tend to put people into those categories. And some people are all three and we just throw that, throw that to the side and just coach. <clears throat> yeah. So you tend to work with men and like it says on your website, um, your, your, one of your, your mission statements is like helping ambitious men in particular. Like you want to work with people who, who want something, who want to live their best life as it were, or they want to maximize their life. They want to, they see that life's amazing and it's one opportunity and they're not going to just kind of coast. They have these aspirations at least, and they have a, a mindset typically of ambition, but maybe there's some, maybe there's some roadblocks. Maybe there's some, lack of clarity maybe they need that extra that guide that guide to, to keep things to keep things moving forward what, what, you know what does your routine look like when you're a high performer what could potentially throw you off how do we anticipate something's going to throw you off and have resiliency built into your life so we're now we're in front of that now you never fall off so people that want to stay at a high performing level all the time and we anticipate that you know and i, I give you feedback on that things to try you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Rock on. Well, if anyone listening is interested to to chat with Matt, you can uh, go to loveitcoaching.com and you can book a, a free call with Matt and uh, talk talk about your life. And he's, yeah, he's, he's going to listen to you and ask questions. And it's very much <laughs> focused on you. It's not one size fits all. I'm so very love- curious what people's problems are and really getting to know what they are. Um, so far, people need to get motivated. People need to get organized. People want accountability. That's what we've gathered. And I think they need to get their energy up when they do that. That's a good solution. But um, I want to know what these problems are. What's troubling you? What's hard? What's been frustrating? What's, where's your block? Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's a, another, what makes you unique is that you have this, all this mindset stuff we just talked about and the health piece. Like you have, hey, do this, change this nutrition habit or try this supplement or let's dial in your sleep. Let's dial in your movement, your training. Like that's, that's your wheelhouse. And that ties right in to the actual life goals. So you want to, you know, double your income in the next five years or two years, whatever you have these big goals. You want to build more time freedom. You want to get to this next stage of life, Matt's going to bring you, like you're going to, you're going to bring people this combination of, okay, what are the next steps? And what are your routines so that you actually physically, like health is the foundation for everything. So optimizing the body 
so that you can have the mental fortitude and clarity and energy to go execute on the work, right? Yeah. I think getting the energy up and almost having a, figuring out how to get a surplus of energy so you can push through that resistance. There's going to be moments where like, you know, you're doing a podcast, it's hard to push that record button the first podcast you ever do. You know, whatever it is, there's resistance there. And if, you, and if you're in a high energy state, you've slept, you've eaten, you haven't put toxins in your body, you've got this energy to face that resistance. And when you are tired all the time and you're just showing up, you know, you're just showing up. You're, you're not going to dig in to, to, to growing your, your life or your mind or your body or your bank account in any way if you don't have extra energy. So I think that's pretty fundamental to getting things done. And, you know, guys that really win, that really get it, they know that and they don't get off. They, they stay on constantly. Good stuff. So we got loveitcoaching.com. Instagram, Matt, your Instagram is that Matt love it. That, at, Matt, that Matt love it. Yeah. Got three, uh, three words in a row that rhyme at that Matt love it. And then uh, <laughs> YouTube, Matt love it. And then you just start, you just started your own podcast yeah. while you walk podcast, which is, I love the name because it's, it's signaling, Hey, go take a walk. Cause that's like a fundamental habit. That's going to help your life. And then you're going to accompany them on the walk with, with some good life reminders, good tips, right? Some ideas that, you know, you, you, it's kind of like a, like a buffet of, of, of tools that, you know, what sticks, what makes sense to you? Here are some options. Yep. I mean, but that's your life, you know, like you could be like everyone else, be reactive, watch TV, hang out, do the minimum, live this normal life. That is an option accelerating, figuring out who you are, what you love, what inspires you and taking steps forward is an option. It's not this unconquerable mountain. It's just start moving towards it and getting organized and getting motivated and having some accountability. It's an option. I love that. Yeah. It's the, I love the option mindset because there's nothing inherently wrong of living a life that's sort of ordinary for lack of a better word if you if you want to you know spend more of your time watching television then you can do that and it's not like you're a a bad person it's you can do whatever you want question is are you choosing that intentionally that's why i just love the phrase like live intentionally you know if you if you're conscious like okay i've evaluated my priorities and I don't want to be at the top of this mountain. I don't want to be great. I don't want to even make that much money. I want to have more freedom in my time. I want to work this job and have more leisure time. Whatever you want to do, right? There's no obligations here. There's no rules to life. It's like, we're here in the spinning globe. We got decades on this planet. Maybe we'll get more if, if biotech catches up here. But like, there's no rules. Everyone's doing their own thing, basically. What are you going to do with your choices and daily habits and actions? And how are you going to spend your time here on this planet? So if you want something that's, you know, it's going to take that extra punch, right? It's going to take the extra conscientiousness, that extra organization of your time, that extra, okay, I'm really going to do this uncomfortable. You know, you talked earlier about just facing really uncomfortable experiences 
Well, if you do that, you get a lot of, you can get a lot of return. Um, if, if, if you want this sort of like next level experience, then go for it and it's nothing to stop you but yourself. And I love that you talk about, we both share this, just, just live regret-free. So if you live intentionally, you're conscious of what you're doing, you know what you want, you won't have regrets, whether that's having an ordinary life or an extraordinary life, whatever that means to you. The key is live intentionally and don't get to your freaking deathbed and you forgot to live the life you wanted, you know? Yep. So thanks for having, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. And again, loveacoaching.com. Any, um, any parting words here? Um, no, man, just Joel, thank you so much for uh, bringing so much into my life, um, helping me uh, clarify and organize what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, you know, Joel's helped me out with uh, getting my website together and some other things. And, uh, you know, we just really connect well. So having me on and, you know, teaching me about podcasts and all that. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Grateful for our connection. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited, man, to see how we both, you know, our, our journeys and, and our life missions unfold in the next three, five, 10 years. You know, I'm just picturing us like in our 40s and 50s and like, just like living the dream. But even before then, I'm just like, we're going to have our kids and we're going to be like, just smoking cigars and it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. And man, if, if, if anybody out there is listening and just wants to just talk and just ask a question, please contact me. I love it. I live for it. I love it. He loves it. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you.